Great. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Sarah and the band, for leading us in our worship. And to Josh for navigating those names at the start. <laughs> Apparently, Calvin said, oh, would you do the reading on Sunday morning? Josh said, yeah. And then he read what the reading was. <laughs> so there's a lesson for you, Josh. Always know what you're committing yourself to before you do that. But well done. Um, Ebed Melik. Ebed Melik. I mean, when was the last time you heard a sermon about Ebed Melik? Come on, let's be honest. Most of us probably hadn't even heard of him five minutes ago. Let's be honest. Um, today's certainly the first day I've spoken about him. He's a, he's a new character to many of us, I'm sure. A marginal character from ancient history that we've probably never heard of. But he's the focus of our attention this morning. Confidence is the theme that we've been exploring through Lent, and in the character of Ebed Melik, we find someone whose compassion and whose kindness fuels confidence. I will get to the details soon, but first, of course, because Ian Crossley is here, a map. It had to be, didn't it? It had to be. So, a bit of background for you. It's sometime around 600 BC, and it's a time of national crisis for Judah. <clears throat> so Judah has been made a vassal state of the mighty Babylonian Empire. And the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, has appointed a king of his choice, um, Zedekiah, over Judah. But there's a powerful political alliance within Jerusalem who believe that there's a way out of this predicament with Babylon through an alliance with Egypt. They believe that God was irrevocably committed to Judah and therefore that God would protect them if they rebelled against Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet, on the other hand, had been given an unpopular message to preach because the Lord had told him that the Babylonians were God's agent of judgment on the people of Judah and that they should submit to Babylonian rule. So what we, had, what we have here is a clash of theology with practical implications. God is with us. And against the Babylonians was one theological view, so therefore we should rebel against them. God has passed judgment on us, was Jeremiah's theological view, so we should submit to them. And Jeremiah's theology was incompatible with the political majority. They believed that his message constituted un patriotic criticism of the government's pro-Egyptian policy. And we know a thing or two about criticising government policy, don't we? <laughs> However, there is slightly more at stake here than match of the day. They approach the king, Zedekiah, with their request, this man should be put to death. He's discouraging the soldiers who are left in the city, as well as the people, by the things he's saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. 
Well, we don't know exactly what the king thought about their proposal, but in terms of his response, he washed his hands of the issue. He said, he's in your hands. The king can do nothing to oppose you, which is a strange statement if you think about it. Kings in those days can't can't do anything to oppose you. So Jeremiah is taken, he's lowered into a cistern, which is a, basically a large hole in the ground used for storing water, only there's no water left now, it's just mud at the bottom. And he's left there to die. And at this point, enter Ebed Melik, our hero of today, from Cush. Now, Cush, another map. Two for the price of one this morning. The Cushite kingdom was located along the Nile Valley. It had ruled over Egypt for about 100 years before being overrun by the Assyrians and then driven out by the Egyptians in the mid-7th century BC. That's where Ebed-Melech comes from. Somehow he has made the transition from that area to Judah and has arisen to a place of some... Uh, importance in the royal palace of Judah. And driven by compassion, Ebed-Melech approaches the king. My lord the king, he says, these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. They've thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there's no longer any bread in the city. And through Ebed-Melech's intervention, the king changes his mind from one view to another overnight. Take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the system before he dies. And so Jeremiah is saved by the courageous compassion of a foreigner. And we just pause to reflect at this point that often we do see outsiders in the Bible setting an example for God's people in showing courageous compassion. Think, for example, of the, um, the Samaritan story. The Samaritan who compassionately steps, steps in uh, for the traveler who's attacked on the road. Think of the prostitute, Rahab, courageously hiding the spies. It's quite often that a foreigner steps in and almost shows to God's people, this is what you're supposed to do, this is how you're supposed to behave. This is what courageous compassion looks like. And it's courageous compassion that Ebed Melech exhibits. So let's not think that just because he had the king's approval that this wasn't a risky business, because it was. This is a powerful political alliance that Ebed Melech is standing against and undermining. And if his action, his activity gets traced back to him, He could be in serious trouble. We've seen that the king will go the way of the least resistance. He'll listen to the the most recent voice. So there's going to be no help from the, the king if this all kicks off. I'd say at the very least, Ebed Melech was putting his reputation on the line. Because by association, Ebed Melech risks being labelled as a traitor like Jeremiah. And if we take a moment to observe our own culture, we understand this. So imagine 
a world-famous author. Imagine that this world-famous author has sold more than 500 million copies of her work, the best-selling fantasy series of all time. Imagine that this author has tweeted some controversial views about gender identity. It's not difficult to imagine, is it, that to step forward in support of this author's right to her views about gender is to be risked being linked with her views about gender and labelled with the same labels attached to the author. So if you're a fellow author or an actor from one of the films based on her books, well, to do that could be to commit professional suicide, to be seen to be in sympathy with her. So what hope is there then for a palace official who is labelled a traitor to the nation at the very risk his reputation is on the line. But more seriously, Ebed Melek was putting his life on the line. If there is political support for the death of one traitor, then the door is open for the deaths of any political traitor. And if you are in a position of influence and authority, then you are closer to that door than to anyone else because you are perceived as a greater threat to national security. So Ebed Melek understands what's going on here. He understands what's at stake for him personally to step out. But his courageous compassion gives him the boldness, gives him the confidence to take the risk. But it's not just a courageous compassion, it's also a thoughtful compassion. He didn't just act compassionately, he actually thought about what he was going to do. We can imagine this, I think, you know, he has this thought, it's not fair that uh, Jeremiah is in the cistern there, I know what I'll do, I'll go and take, I'll go and take a rope and um, put him up, oh, hang on, that's not going to work, I'm going to need some help, okay. So we'll, ah, but even then, he's not going to be strong enough, is he, to hold onto the rope? I know what we'll do, we'll tie some ropes together, we'll lower the ropes down, yep, he can loop the, the ropes under his arms, we'll lift him up, yeah, that'll work. Well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, that's, that's going to really hurt, that's going to really hurt. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll get some rags together, then he can put the rags under his arms and then, yeah, that'll work. He's thought through his compassion. And sometimes we have the compassion, but we don't think through what our planned compassionate acts might result in. Uh, yesterday, there was a, a car wash fundraiser for seven young people planning to go to Tanzania in July. So, oops, I just jumped ahead there. So let's, let's just imagine for a moment that, uh, let's take Josh again. Josh had taken his car down there and his car is caked in mud. And let's imagine that, that, one of the, uh, that one of the young people involved in that car wash thinks, um, I really like Josh, I want to give his, his car a fantastic clean. And um, how am I going to get this mud off? I know, I've seen, this, I've seen this steel Brillo pad in the kitchen. So we go into the kitchen, get the Brillo pad and brush it up, get all that mud off and it's wonderful. 
Well, Josh might be pleased that his car was nice and clean, but he might be less pleased about the scratches on his car. The compassion was there, but the consideration, the thoughtfulness was missing. I'm sure Josh wouldn't have minded, actually. You invite some folk around for a meal, some folk who'd really appreciate the meal, and you serve up a delicious steak. Only you forgot to ask, and it turns out they're vegetarians. The compassion was there, but the consideration was missing. You talk to a guy who's got difficulty with speech, you feel sorry for him, and start finishing his sentences for him. The compassion is there, but the consideration is missing. What Ebed Melech has is both the compassion and the consideration. He's thought through his compassionate act, and in so doing, Jeremiah is not just rescued, but he's rescued as comfortably as he could have been, all things considered, given the circumstances. So his compassion has emboldened him, Thinking how it would work out in practice has given him more confidence to execute his plan. And then finally, we have a rewarded compassion. And the point I simply want to make here is that no act of compassion goes unnoticed by God. He doesn't forget. So having been lifted out of the cistern and relocated to the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah in chapter 39. It says in verse 15, while Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him. Go and tell Ebed-Medic the Cushite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I'm about to fulfill my words against this city. Words concerning disaster, not prosperity. At that time, they will be fulfilled before your eyes. But... I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be given into the hands of those you fear. Matthew 25, Jesus told the parable of the sheep and the goats. The king will say to the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And the sheep respond, hang on a minute, when, when did I do that? And the king replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So in being courageously compassionate for Jeremiah, Ebed-Melech was being courageously compassionate for God. And God shows, God responds by showing compassion to Ebed-Melech and sparing him from the disaster that's about to fall on Jerusalem. It's almost like a circle of compassion. The Lord rewards his servant for his service. 
and knowing that God rewards his servants, maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life to come, that fuels our confidence. So a courageous compassion, a thoughtful compassion, a rewarded compassion. Now we could stop there, but I've got 10 more minutes left, so, so let's carry on. Let me ask you a question. What is the point? Why I'm asking that question? Well, because it's not a happy ever after story. So in 586 or 587 BC, the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. They showed no mercy. The chronicler records that they killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary, didn't spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. They set fire to God's temple. They broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces. They destroyed everything of value there. This is not a happy ending story for Jerusalem. It's not even a happy ever ending story for Jeremiah. Jeremiah's rescue from the cistern was not his ticket to freedom. He wasn't raised up to a happy ending. He was still confined to the courtyard of the guard. He was still a prisoner. So what was the point of Ebed-Melech's rescue? And sometimes I think we ask ourselves, what is the point? What's the point in, in helping that drug addict, drug addict, they're going to go back to drugs again, aren't they? What's the point in me giving money to the starving? What difference is my 10 pounds going to make? What's the point in praying for Ukraine? Nothing's changing, is it? It's just getting worse. Don't we ask ourselves that question sometimes? What is the point? Well, part of the answer lies in the modern parable I'm sure many of you are familiar with, of the boy wandering along the beach and throwing the starfish back into the ocean. Because the tide is going out and the starfish are going to die. And a man sees what he's doing and he, he mocks him. He said, I don't know what you're trying to achieve there. There's, there's absolutely no point. There are hundreds of starfish, there are miles of beach, you're not going to make any difference. And the boy picks up the starfish and he throws it into the ocean and he says, it's going to make a difference for that one. Our act of compassion may not save the world, but it will make a difference to that one, to that person. For that reason alone, it's worth doing. So that's part of the answer. But I think another part of the answer lies in the fact that we are part of a bigger story, a bigger picture, a redemption story. So when Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus, he wasn't helping Jesus in any way. Jesus was dead. When the women went to the tomb to anoint his corpse, they weren't helping Jesus in any way. When Mary watched as her son was being crucified, she couldn't help him. What was the point? What was the point in all of these things? Well, the point is they were part of this bigger story, this bigger picture, this redemption story. The point is that their compassion wasn't overlooked. It wasn't wasted. 
as it happens, their compassion was not just remembered by God, but is recorded for us as examples. But even if we knew nothing about it, even if it wasn't recorded, their compassion wasn't wasted because God remembers. And Ebed-Melech could have asked himself, what's the point? You know, I might be able to save Jeremiah from death, but he's still a prisoner. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. What's the point? Well, the point is that although Ebed-Melech wouldn't know how this was going to turn out in the end, his courageous, thoughtful compassion was the right thing to do. And God would remember. Jeremiah actually is another case in point. If you know Jeremiah's story, he was told at the outset of his ministry that basically he was going to fail. Imagine that. You're given, you're given a task to do for 50 years or so, and you're going to fail. It's not going to, you're not going to succeed. People wouldn't listen to him, he was told. But out of obedience to God and compassion for his people, he did the right thing anyway. Because he knew he was part of a bigger picture. And actually, some people think that Jesus failed. Like Jeremiah, Jesus had taught in Jerusalem. Like Jeremiah, Jesus was perceived as preaching against the temple. Like Jeremiah, Jesus was seen as a threat by the religious authorities. His message was opposed. Like Jeremiah, Jesus' opponents accused him to their political masters, and like Jeremiah, a death sentence was pronounced on him. And some people say, well, you know, how much more could Jesus have accomplished if he just lived longer? But like Jeremiah, but in much more spectacular fashion, Jesus was raised up. Again, not to a perfectly happy ending, not yet anyway, all wasn't right with the world when Jeremiah was lifted from the cistern and all wasn't right with the world when Jesus was raised from the dead. But through Jesus' own courageous and thoughtful compassion, death has been defeated. A new and living way to God has been opened up through his death. The Holy Spirit has been given. And one day, Jesus himself will receive his own reward. His holy bride, the church. People from every language and nation and tribe made ready for Christ's return. So Jesus' compassion was worth it. So this week, I want to encourage you to let your compassion move you to courageous, thoughtful acts. When you listen to the news or you see a friend in crisis or you're at work and a colleague is getting stressed and you feel that compassion rising up, then translate it into courageous, thoughtful action on their behalf. Do the right thing like Jeremiah did, like Ebed-Melech did, like Jesus did. Because no act of compassion in his name goes forgotten, goes unrewarded. 
Amen.